Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, hey, hey. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Sin of Our Fathers is brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club, featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor. Barbasol, the brand America trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close and comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com to join the Barbasol Shave Club today. So speaking of Barbasol, we actually have an awesome guest on the podcast this week. Troy Merritt, PGA Tour golfer, actually just won the Barbasol Championship um, about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yep. All right. Just won the Barbasol Championship, um, and he grew up a Browns fan. So obviously, two and two lined up. The stars aligned. We had to get Troy on the podcast, and Michael actually has a connection to him through his agent, so we got him on. And you, you share agents, right, Michael? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got an agent, of course. Yeah, yeah. Peter is our guy. Yeah, he, you know, schedules my gigs. Yeah. And, does, you know, does Peter know he's your agent? Handles my endorsements. Yeah, for the uh, sin of our father's podcast, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, don't say that. We might have to give him a cut. <laughs> so Troy gave us a call earlier today. Well, it's Michael. Hi, this is Elizabeth calling on a recorded line with Hilton. How are you doing today, Michael? Uh, sorry, I'm actually waiting on a phone call from somebody else. <laughs> okay, I, I don't have any time. I, okay, I get that I caught you off guard today. I'll be super brief for you and get you back to your day. This is just Hilton. We wanted to reach out. No. To- <laughs> I understand that I caught you yeah. off guard. That's for me to laugh. I love that. Um, So that's when we were expecting Troy to call us. Uh, Michael got a call from a a different person, um, and she would not take no for an answer. (laughs) (laughs) But then Troy actually did call us, which was fantastic. Yeah, and here's that interview with Troy. So we're here with Troy Merritt, recent PGA Tour winner. And uh, Troy, we have had our eye on having you on the podcast for a little while I have uh, come to know uh, a mutual friend of ours, your agent, um, and he keeps talking about how big of a Browns fan you are. I think he says that the two of us are the only Browns fans that he knows in the world. Um, and so the stars aligned when you won the Barbasol Championship last week, and the Barbasol is the sponsor of the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. And so it was very clear that now is the time that we need to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, you know, Peter might not claim it, but he also cheers for the Browns, having gone to school in West Virginia for a while. He, he, he is a Browns fan as well. He just doesn't like to admit it. I think we're about to get a lot of Browns fans with all the excitement after hard knocks and everything. We're going to get some bandwagoners. Uh, we need all the fans we can get. We'll, we'll welcome bandwagoners. I think, I don't think anybody will be too disappointed with that. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the win in Lexington. Um, you will forever be known as the guy that won the first Barbersall championship at Keen Trace. Yeah. And and until somebody, uh, 
possesses a more manly beard than myself, I'll also have the best beard ever to win the tournament. Yeah, so the the guys at Barbasol give us a hard time all the time because our like Twitter profile picture for our podcast, we all have facial hair. And <laughs> None of us shaved like, for months before that. I can't remember the last time I shaved. Yeah, uh, But we do love Barbasol. We, we, we have to trim around the edges. You, you certainly have a razor of some degree that you use, right? Yeah, the, the new one that they just sent me. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I will say that uh, I haven't clean shaved my face in probably a good five, six, seven years. Uh, my wife finally got me to at least get the, my cheekbones done, but to be quite honest, I just throw a little cold water on it and take the razor right to it. No cream or anything. Like a man, I love wow. it. Yeah. No yeah. sensitive skin over there. That's how they raise them in in Iowa, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, we just go out and just get the uh, get the job done. <laughs> so, so Troy, you you have to tell me how does a kid who's born in Iowa and then goes and plays golf out in Boise, Idaho, and lives in Idaho? How did you become a Browns fan? Uh, well, I was I was born in Iowa, but I was raised in the middle of nowhere, southern Idaho, and we didn't have a whole lot of teams to root for out here. And my dad was a a big Jim Brown fan when he was a kid, and you know, when I was a kid back in the late 80s and early 90s, the Browns weren't half bad. You know, so I, I I grew up, you know, with my little Bernie Kosar figurine and and hoping that they would beat the Broncos and get to the Super Bowl a couple times. And obviously none of that ever happened. But <laughs> I, I've, I've remained a, lo- a loyal Browns fan. Even uh, after Modell moved the team to Baltimore, I uh, I refused to cheer for the Ravens and of course they won a couple Super Bowls <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah st- still a Browns fan through and through a true Browns fans there so I it is that it. it is the sin of your father that made you a Browns fan he was a big Jim Brown <laughs> fan um, are there yeah. are there any other players on the tour that are Browns fans that you know of um, if there are they are uh, closet Browns fans <laughs> um, there's a lot of those I do know there is uh, one one or two other caddies that are Browns fans, and we can talk a little Browns football from time to time, but I don't think there are any other players. So he might not be the most talkative individual, but the only other one that I know of is Jason Duffner. Oh, the Duff. Yeah, he's not a talkative <laughs> individual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to put that as kindly as I could. I love Jason Duffner. Like, do not get me wrong. Um he gets worked up. I brought up the Browns to him one time when I met him and yeah. I was having a conversation and he just got angry. Like all Browns <laughs> fans get like when they talk about how terrible the team is and how yeah. frustrating the ownership is and everything. And it cracked me up. We were sitting at like a, it was like a partner event. I think it was at the tour championship actually, yeah. like about four years ago. He didn't want to talk to anybody, but then yeah. you brought up the Browns. About the Browns. He just got pissed. Well, you got to look at it in a more positive light than, you know, the Browns are in the top five every year, but the problem is it's the top five draft pick in the first round. It's true. It's true. So with our podcast, we have tried to connect with folks like you that are Browns fans through and through, and we like to look back on more positive memories, or at least try to harken back to um, growing up as a Browns fan and all of these memories, I'd be curious to know if someone like you that's grown up cheering for the Browns, like what is that earliest Cleveland Browns memory uh, that you can recall? Uh, the one that uh, will always stick in my head uh, from my favorite NFL player, even to date, 
was when Eric Metcalf uh, returned a kick and a punt against uh, the Steelers in a losing effort. Eric Metcalf, I remember when I was a little kid, it was like he was one of the like two or three Browns players that I actually knew that was on the team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I loved Eric Metcalf. I mean, I was a Kozar fan, I liked Webster Slaughter, Ernest Biner, but I was an Eric Metcalf fan. So, Troy, did you get to watch all the games out there? Like, how did you do that whenever you were a kid? Or did you just catch uh, all the highlights? Like, you, did you yeah, have to be no, really? You would have to watch the, the ticker on the bottom to see uh, if they were scoring any points, and usually that wasn't the case. I mean, we were always getting <laughs> the the Broncos games and the Seahawks games and the Raiders game. Yeah. That's so true. That's, that's before pretty much all the... we got to see. That's before the Sunday ticket days. Like, yeah, when he was that a kid. That didn't happen yeah. until like mid or late <laughs> 90s, like when the Browns came back. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, even to this day, I mean, I don't I don't have the Sunday ticket. So even if they're on in the preseason, I am absolutely pumped, and I will tune in and watch because it might be the only Browns game I get to watch for the year. So, Troy, I have to ask, when you're playing in a golf tournament over the weekend, are you ever a little extra motivated to make the cut, knowing that if you do make the weekend, you won't have to watch the Browns game? <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never thought about it that way. And if that was the case, I would have tried to make all the cuts last fall. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're trying to make the cut every week, but it's got to be a little extra sweet knowing that you don't have to put yourself through that or pay attention. You can just think about you know other what? things. I guess the way I see it, if you miss the cut on tour, it means you don't get paid for that week. But if you then tune into a Browns game, the Browns organization should probably pay you to watch the game. <laughs> it's true. Oh, man. It's actually amazing how loyal the Browns fans have continued to be in this complete rut. Um, and to see the excitement now that we've infused a little bit more talent and everything into the roster. All right, but before we get to today's today's team i wanted to ask you another question about which browns so we did this early on when we started the podcast last year we realized all our listeners probably didn't really know us or our personalities really that well so we played this game where the the other two brothers had to name what the other brother uh which browns player they were most like and so Mark was Joe Hayden because he was always the life of the party and wasn't a surprise to be like on Adderall. Matthew, <laughs> you know, Matthew was Gary Barnage, I think, because, you know, he was lumbering and like sneaky athletic, but certainly didn't look like <laughs> it. awkward. And I think you guys like named me Trent Richardson because of my hairline or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, and your your stellar career. <laughs> yeah, my. <laughs> yeah, I, I my think it was st career. started strong but kind of fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's what it was. was. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, our listeners are Browns fans first and foremost. I'm sure there's a handful that watch golf and are familiar with you, but we'd like to get to know you a little bit more. And a great way to do that might be for you to associate yourself with a current or former Cleveland Browns player. Who do you think that might be? Man, that's that's a good one. I mean, growing up in in southern Idaho, I was I was kind of uh, the man when it came to flag football. Uh, usually returned a punt or kick uh, each game. So in, in that regard, I would be an Eric Metcalf. There you go. Um, but uh, as a, I was also the quarterback, but we didn't get to sling it, you know, sidearm sling it like Bernie. We had to run the option. So I, I think I, I would stick more to an Eric Metcalf. The, the Eric Metcalf of Southern Idaho. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm. How's the, 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 flag how's the football? The flag football, Southern Idaho, Eric Metcalf. How, how's the flag <laughs> football scene in Southern Idaho? Pretty, uh, pretty competitive. Booming. The, the, it's better in other areas. <laughs> that that is that is fair enough. So, <laughs> so Troy, um, what are your thoughts on the upcoming season? Obviously, there's a lot of hype around the team during this off season. I can't hardly turn ESPN on without hearing about the Browns, which obviously excites me um, as a Browns fan. Um, but what are you excited about for the 2018 Browns this upcoming season? Obviously, you know, it's got to be better. It, it, it's going to be better. What I'm most excited about is that the Browns actually have some good talent at the skill positions. You know, it's it, it's not, you know, like we've had an abundance of talent at receiver or running back in a lot of years. And, uh, we, you know, we've got a pretty solid backfield, you know, got some uh, veteran leadership, and, and I'm really excited to see Chubb as he comes in. And then uh, out wide, you know, having hopefully uh, – uh, Josh Gordon back and healthy and, and into the game and, you know, mentally healthy. And then also, you know, Jarvis Landry out there as well, you know, having a couple different options instead of throwing you basically to whatever third string cheerleader is, is in a, a wide receiver <laughs> at the time. So I, I'm really excited, you know, cause the defense seems to always kind of hold their own. I mean, last year, I remember reading a stat, you know, the Browns gave up, you know, one of the best or had one of the top five, um, rush defenses as far as uh, allowing yards per carry in history, a top five, you know, like three and a half yards of carry. And the other four teams all went to the Super Bowl and the Browns couldn't win a game. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> That's more, I think, I a testament like- of where the NFL game is today than anything else. I, it was nice that we ranked so high in something, but it's a passing <laughs> league now. And we were ranking in the in the one statistic that, that hardly matters. Matter. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> but... Yeah, but uh, no, I am I am excited that uh, they do have some uh, so, some uh, skill position players this year. I think they're going to hopefully put up a few more points. And uh, I, you know, I like them bringing in Tyrod. You know, he's had a little bit of success. You know, he can move around a bit. Uh, hopefully, teach Baker a few things, and hopefully, Baker uh, winds up being the correct choice at number one. Because I know it was uh, very controversial. Yeah. What was your initial take on that pick? Uh, you know, I was kind of hoping it would it'd become a Big Ten fan, being an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I was really hoping for a Saquon Barkley pickup, you know, and after Crowell left and they brought in uh, Carlos Hyde, I'm thinking, man, they got a veteran running back. They, you know, they've got Duke still there, and, you know, maybe they're, you know, setting the scene for another, bringing in another rookie running back. So I was kind of hoping it would be Saquon. Obviously, that didn't work. You wanted and him then, at one uh, overall, or were you hoping that maybe they could no, snag him at number four? Nope, I was hoping they would take him number one. I remember hearing a story. Uh, somebody asked, uh, I think it was Bobby Knight, you know, who should the Blazers take number one the year that Michael Jordan was in the draft? And he said, Michael Jordan. And they said, but the Blazers need a center. And they said, well, then you play Michael Jordan at center. So you take the best player and you play and you fit him in where where he, where he's going to make a difference. And to me, that was Saquon Barkley, the best player in the mm-hmm. draft. You take the best player and you run with it. And then at four, uh, you know, if, if you don't have the quarterback there, you know, that, that you wanted originally, uh, you know, either trade out of it or you take uh, Chubb from NC State, you know, the, the, the defensive lineman. And then kind of like uh, the Ravens ended up doing, I liked sneaking up late first round, trading up, and then maybe getting like a Lamar Jackson or a Baker Mayfield if he was there, just to add a little intrigue to the Browns. But uh, 
Didn't, it didn't go that way. That's probably why I'm not in the NFL business or have any any <laughs> yeah. idea what's going on with draft day. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of what I was feeling when it all happened. And when none of it happened, I just thought, well, let's just see what happens again this year. Yeah, well, we were with you. We wanted Bradley Chubb at four um, so badly. That's what that's what we yeah. were all rooting for, too. To have him alongside Miles Garrett just would have been – that just would have yeah, been fun. I, that would have been exciting. Oh man, and you know I can't remember who who he went five right, so I can't remember who got him at five. But they Denver. just had to think that it was absolutely Christmas that yeah. Chubb fell into their lap. Yeah. Although Denzel Ward's looked great by all accounts. Yeah, so far already in camp, everything that I've heard is it's a good thing we have Denzel Ward because Although they don't the know who in terrible. the world is going to be the other corner. Like he's yeah. locked in as the uh. starter, and the <laughs> other guy is a complete question mark. So. Uh, so uh, so we're going to have a third-string cheerleader at the other corner. All right. Yeah. You see, you're getting me prepared for it. Yeah, there's a whole team of cheerleaders vying for that spot, it looks like. We brought in a bunch of them. So looking at the team this year, Troy, is there anything that seems like a sore spot that has you concerned or nervous about heading into this season? Obviously, there's really – we couldn't be any worse than last year, but um, is there anything that you're looking at in particular? You know, the nice thing about being a Browns fan is that the, the major concern is, why are you a Browns fan? That's, that's the major concern. Uh, and with, with the season they had last year, on top of the season they had the year before, there can't be anything else that's negative. I mean, it's only positive from here on out. So the only concern is, why are you still a Browns fan? And we're moving forward with the season. We're going to win some football games. I love that. Got to stay positive. Always positive. Um, you got to find the positives and everything. Um, do you think that there's anyone on the team in particular that's going to stand out, might surprise some people, um, better than we anticipated, better than we expected? Uh, you, you know, what I would like to see uh, is uh, uh, Nick Chubb take over the, the starting role early and just absolutely run with it. Um, I, I think that would be absolutely uh, awesome if, if he were able to do that. So I, he would be... My, my hopeful standout and and make his presence known as, as quick as possible in the season. I like that answer. That's a good one, and it's been interesting. I think it's partially his personality. Like, he's not, mm-hmm. like, the most outspoken, like, loud guy, but it's been relatively quiet about him. No one's had anything mm-hmm. negative to say. They say he looks, like, good. They say he looks explosive. Duke Johnson said keeps saying he calls- looks old. Yeah, like, he's, he's from a different him, generation. Old school. Yeah. That's all he calls him is old school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but you haven't heard a whole lot of buzz about him from the coaches or anybody. There's also been nothing negative. So I, that position seems like such a big question mark, and I feel like it could shake out I a think, whole number of different ways. I think that might be a good thing. You know, you know, maybe as coaches go, try to hype up a player a little bit more just to think that or make people think that they have something there when they might not. And if you get quiet on something, he's like, you know what, we, we've got something here, and this time we're just going to keep our mouths shut because this guy's the real deal. Maybe, maybe we're going that route this time. Hey, no, that's, that's music to my ears that sounds if that's good. the case. And it would also be hard for him to stand out amongst that group. Duke Johnson, who's obviously explosive as all get out, and Carlos Hyde, who's established himself as a pretty good running back in this league. I mean, not a league, right, but and, to walk in day know, one. Yeah, and you also have to remember, I, I play professional golf, and I have no idea of what you know professional football is like, so I I'm, could just be, you know, 
speaking nonsense. Hey, us, <laughs> us neither, Troy. We have, we have no idea. We have just yeah. about as much knowledge as you do. Neither one of us even played high school football. So <laughs> I work at a church. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you go to church and you watch the Browns games? Because there's a big difference there too. So I you do. live out west, where those are conflicting ideas. Those are mutually this, exclusive here. These are we're in the central time zone, so you just rush home from church to <laughs> watch the Browns game. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? That, that's that's about right. You know, church here is over about ten fifteen, and football comes on at eleven. So I make sure we get the boys back by quarter eleven and see what's going on on, on the tube. There you go. There we go. So the next question, so put on your GM hat. You already like hedged and said that uh, there's a reason you're not running an NFL team. but <laughs> Which is good. Let's just pretend you were. Who would be the first guy you would fire from the Cleveland Browns? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Who would be the first guy that I'd fire? That's such a negative question. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? but it's yeah. deserving. Oh, yeah. But it's so negative. Well, Someone's got to be fired. I guess the only place to go is, is up from here. You know what I, I really can't understand? You know, there are coaches every year that finished seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven that get canned. And yeah. we've got a coach that is one in 31 and, and, and alive and well. Um, I don't know he personally, I've heard a lot of great things about him. Um, I know it's a business, but, uh, I, you know, I think I would have to start with, uh, with the head coach. Yes, sure. sir. Yes, so- sir. Hucifer. We got to <laughs> fire him. Hucifer. <laughs> I haven't I mean, heard I that yet. Really bad, dude. I don't think I could yeah. ever fire anybody. So it would yeah. not be. <laughs> you have to make somebody else do it. Hopefully, you're in a position. Call, call Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but like tailing off that question, were you a Browns fan who kind of bought into the the analytics revolution with when we hired Paul D. Podesta and Sashi Brown, kind of what they were doing? Um, Kind of buying low, playing the rookies, understanding that we needed to be bad for a while before we would be good, or did that frustrate you tremendously? Uh, you know, I, I can't say that I enjoyed it. <laughs> that, <laughs> True, that, yeah. that I don't were, think anybody they, did, but that they were going that route. But uh, I mean, if that's what you're pushing for for a couple of years, I mean, you you better be absolutely right because you absolutely owe it to your fan base to to bring the team around in three four years if you're gonna you know try to basically suck for a few years and and, and build draft picks and, and try to get young guys and if they then that's the problem with the league i mean you see it time and time again you know just because a kid was good in college you know going to the pros does not mean he's going to pan out in the pros and if, if you're you know putting all your your eggs in that basket you better be right mm-hmm. i'm with you yeah I mean, it was. I agree with you. It did suck. It was a brutal, brutal two, three years. One I mean, thirty-one. So we started this podcast at the beginning of last season, and we, we recorded an episode after every game. We've never recorded an episode after a Browns win, not not one time. So, you know, uh, looking back on it, you know, I have just as many wins as the Browns do in the last two years. That's not a good thing. You won the right one. Shave Barbasol, everybody. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you're, you know, it it's a fifty-fifty proposition for the Browns, and it's a one in a hundred and fifty for you every week. So it's a little different story. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like five hundred to one most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking odds. We're saying if everyone had the same chance of winning the tournament. Okay. Yeah, okay I mean, yeah. average field is what, like a hundred. <laughs> 
156 is our big field. I'm 500 to one. How many times were the Browns 500 to one this year? Uh, to this, th- there might there might have been a couple games. <laughs> that was probably like their odds to make the playoffs. Yeah, like probably going still into last year, something like that. Oh, oh I'd, I'd I'd even put five bucks on that if the odds were that good to make the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Imagine the joy that you would experience if it actually happened. Cash money. Oh. And playoffs. I don't. E- I don't. I don't even think I'd cash the ticket. I would just like know that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy that playoff football. Yeah, that's awesome. At least for one game. <laughs> that that's awesome. So Troy, you're out on the tour. I'm, I'm sure when you're out there with other guys who are playing on the tour, you're probably not talking golf. Are you talking about other sports or what? Like, what are the discussions like? Do you guys pay attention to what else is going on in the sports world? If we're talking golf, we've got issues. I mean, we don't <laughs> want to talk golf out there. Are right. you kidding me? Uh, no, actually, the uh, you know coming up here over the next uh, the next month and then through the fall, it'll be all college football. There are college football nuts out there. Um, That's awesome. And, and and pretty much every player you know has you know their team and you know there there are a lot of good side bets out there. <laughs> but uh, usually 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 college football, um, and then some of the other time you know it's you know something that would probably be seen on HBO, so we can't, probably can't get into that. So it's safe to say that you're a Boise, a Boise State Bronco, right? Uh, that's my secondary team. Yeah, I am an Iowa Hawkeye through and through. Uh, even though Ooh. I was raised in Idaho, I didn't uh, start cheering for Boise State until I actually became a student there in my junior year of college. And it just so happened that that was also the year that they uh, beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, that's a that's a strong time to to join that bandwagon i know how that feels oh, yeah. Troy. I hopped, hopped right on yeah that's awesome my freshman year at the university of florida was when we won basketball and football the same year so yeah well, nobody else recognizes that yeah it's fantastic <laughs> so troy is christian kirksey your favorite player then on the christian current browns Kirk- roster because he, he went uh, to iowa and now he's a linebacker out there re- I, yeah, I really enjoyed Christian Kirksey uh, at Iowa. I, I, you know, I, I would cheer for any Hawkeye that makes it into the pros, and there are a lot of them. You know, especially on oh, yeah. the offensive and defensive lines. Oh yeah. Just like I would cheer for any you know Boise State Bronco that makes it into the pros, which is pretty much all of the Dallas Cowboys defense every year. <laughs> they pretty much all come from Boise State. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know what? If we, if we want to go with that for right now, yeah, Christian Kirksey would be my favorite player on the Browns. Okay, that's good awesome. to know. So you mentioned the quarterbacks earlier, some excitement around Tyrod and Baker Mayfield. If Which quarterback do you prefer to start a majority of the games this year? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, obviously I, I would, you know, being kind of, well, I'm not really new age. I'm kind of stuck in between old school and new age in this weird generation. I'm sure you all can relate. But uh, I, I really think that Tyrod should be your starter, unless Baker absolutely kills it in the preseason. Even then, I mean, you've, you've got a guy that's made it to the playoffs, and maybe not so much because of him. I mean, because let, let's be honest, Shady McCoy had a pretty good year last year. But you, you've got a pretty good three-headed uh, monster in the backfield in Cleveland, so Tyrod even doesn't have to do a whole, whole lot if, if those three guys can, can get going. But you've got some weapons on the outside as well, and I think I think you start with Tyrod. Um, from what I'm hearing, they've got a good chance to maybe win a couple games in September. 
you might need to, you know, reevaluate, you know, if you don't get off to a great start, maybe look at Baker, you know, maybe week five or six, if things aren't going great, but uh, I like Tyrod there. I like him to start uh, at the beginning of the season and, uh, and bring May, uh, Baker along uh, as he progresses. Well, like you there. It sounds so reasonable when yeah. you, when you say it like that. No, it's true. Yeah, it's I like, think yeah, I mean... it won't happen that way. There'll be plenty of drama. <laughs> And, you know, calling for the coach's head. And, you know, there'll, there'll be plenty of it. You know, well, that was you, Troy. You called for the coach's head. Just yeah, but earlier. I felt bad about it. <laughs> I felt bad about it. <laughs> oh, man. So what other Browns topics should we cover, Troy? You have any? We're, we're, like way too, we're in way too deep on this stuff. Is there anything you want to bring up with us? Uh, you know, I, I will say two things. I've only ever been to one Cleveland Browns game and it was in Arizona while I was living down there. And, uh, it was uh, a few years ago back when I think they gave up, you know, seven or eight fourth quarter leads. So they did the same thing in Arizona. And then, uh, number two would be, uh, down in Vegas, there actually is a Cleveland Browns bar that I caught a game at one time. And, uh, the, the Browns ended up, they, they got beat. I know that's shocking. Uh, they got beat. <laughs> but uh, whenever they did score, you know, two or three touchdowns, whenever they'd score a touchdown, this guy would get up in his in his mask and just start barking at the wall. So, I mean, <laughs> there are Browns fans everywhere. They're, they are everywhere. Oh, that's the best. Wait, what, were, what circumstances had to come to fruition for him to bark at the wall? If we scored a touchdown. The Browns scored a touchdown. <laughs> I love that. Oh, he was—he so, didn't care if anyone was looking or anything like that. He was doing that for him. I, w- I wonder if that was like a, an adaptation. I wonder if he used to bark at people's faces and he had gotten punched <laughs> at some point and he just decided the wall was probably a safer <laughs> bet. Yeah, yeah, that, that mask is on because he was barking at the wall, but the Browns, they were still losing. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that's so good. Well, Troy, I know you need to head out to cut, cut the grass. Tell, so, me, tell me this is like a putting green or like a, a, a driving range. Or, yeah, well, or what do you got, Bermuda? You got bent out there? Yeah. What kind of grass are you growing out there in Idaho? Uh, uh, it's green. <laughs> uh, it's green grass. Uh, no, no, uh, nothing special. Um, my boys do hit wiffle balls in the backyard. It's getting a little bit long. They're starting to top them a bit, so I got to mow that down so they can get a nice uh, teed up lie. Uh, no, yeah, I love cutting the grass. I actually need to get them a lot more blade uh, sharpened so if any of you are available since you made me come on this podcast to come out and sharpen my lawnmower blade uh, yeah, we'll just hop on a you. flight nashville to what boise maybe and yeah. uh, we'll be there in five hours that's that's how, that with our like blade a, sharpeners sounds like a job for me over over these two doofuses so so i'll be there in a bit troy yeah but don't just just don't cut yourself i don't have insurance all right sounds there good go. So tell all our fans where they can uh, hear from you. At least throw out your Twitter handle for everybody to give you a follow. Yeah, my Twitter handle is uh, Troy Merritt underscore PGA. Um, I don't post a, a whole lot on it. I'm not like this new age player that has to post everything that they ate over the last four hours on there. Uh, you will see a lot of you will see a lot of Iowa Hawkeye posts coming up. If the Browns are successful, you see some of those posts. You'll always see a post. I, I will say. I am a Pittsburgh Penguin and Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I have been my whole life, but I what? do not like the Steelers. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so I'm a little I'm a little odd there. So you will see some Pirates posts and some Penguins posts on there. I keep it pretty much sports-related. And uh, I would like uh, all of your listeners to you know maybe uh, uh, think about uh, our, our good friend uh, Jared Lyle down in Australia who's uh, 
battled uh, leukemia several times and is, uh, has fought the good fight and uh, has decided uh, enough is enough and uh, he will be stopping treatment here in the next couple of days. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That's been like the saddest story I've seen. I like literally had tears in my eyes as I was seeing that post yesterday being shared around and everybody um, giving support his way. That's the, yep. it's rough. I, I will leave you on my most favorite Jared Lyle story. It, it yeah. is pretty good. Um, he was not having a, d- a good day on the golf course, which is tough for him because he's such a, a happy-go-lucky guy, very positive. And on the last hole, he writes C-U-N-T on his golf ball, and he hits it way off to the right into the crowd, and he gets up there, and there's two old ladies just glaring at him. And he walks up, and he looks down, and it's sitting right there on the top of the golf ball, and he looks at the ladies, and he goes, what? I'm from Australia. I went to the Central University of the Northern Territories. <laughs> that's incredible jared Jared lyle is a great human being that is so fantastic that is so uh, fantastic well thank you so much troy for joining us um how about you come on the podcast next time you win another tournament uh as long as i mean i hope the browns win before i do again but uh (laughs) Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. This was fun, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we'll be watching you out there on tour. Good luck and uh, stay close, all right? Give us a listen right, and uh, tell others about all those Browns fans you encounter out there uh, traveling <laughs> city to city. Let them know. Will do. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Troy. Bye. Great. Speaking to the Barbasol champion himself. Um, the, the Barbasol king, if you will. <laughs> he is on top right now. Um, you guys can all be Barbasol Kings too. Use the discount code Browns at checkout to receive $2 off on your initial shave kit order if you join the Barbasol Shave Club. Once again, that's $2 off your initial shave kit order if you use the discount code Browns. That's just for listeners to our podcast, so make sure you go out and do that. Um, we actually all got our own shave kits shipped to the house, which was awesome, um, shipped to the studio. And have you? <laughs> we got yeah, we got the studio, the studio. out here. Yeah. The studio is currently under some some renovations. I just let it slip that the house is the studio. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but Michael, have you used your shave kit yet? Uh, multiple times. I use that shave cream. I, that's that thing. The best thing about Barbasol is that can costs you two dollars and it lasts I'm, you for six months. I've never seen the end of a Barbasol <laughs> can of shaving cream. The only reason I've seen the end is my kids like to play with it in the wall of the shower or the uh, bathtub. So we uh, spray some on the wall and they just like play games with it. Keeps so them it lasts for six months when they're doing that. It's like I've I've had a, the same can for years. It's unbelievable. It's well, so good. Well, now you're gonna have to use your. Barbasol shave cream to trim around that sporty mustache you got going on, Matthew. Yeah, we're get, we're getting a little, little, little trendy here. The mustache is in. Well done, brother. And, but the razors for real, like that is a hefty handle you get and a handful of blades to start with that starter kit. If you go sign up, the best thing about that whole thing they've got going on for the shave club, trust me, is trust me. Michael knows about a hefty handle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> Uh, the best thing is is you try it out, and there's no commitment long-term. You can choose how long you want to keep receiving it. So you get the nice blade, you get everything, and then you can Man, turn it off or turn it on. A hefty handle awesome and no commitment? That's perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah. What you, could you ask for? If you don't shave often, you can just get it one month, every month, every two months, every four months, whatever you're into. Um, if you don't shave all the time, like we don't, we just shave our necks. Um, we got a little sporty beards trimming around the edge. Um, whatever you're into. Guys, this is an exciting time. We have real Browns conversation to have because training camp started oh, over thank the God. last week. It's I, I didn't think we'd make it. It was bone dry there it's for a, a long time. It's a beautiful thing. We didn't even like hide it last week. Whenever we were or two weeks ago, we were reporting <laughs> the podcast. We were just we were like, talking about oh being man. in the corner, stalling for time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's here. And the big news happened today, which is kind of what we've been waiting for. Our biggest question mark on the roster is Joel Batonio, uh, or the left tackle after Joe Thomas. And now it was announced today after he got almost all of the left tackle reps that it's Joel Batonio's job and they want him to get as many reps as possible from here to the start of the season. Which seemed to surprise him as much as anyone else. Which As much as the, Bob is, Wiley. Is the only part of this that, like, sits funny with me is that he seems like a willing a willing participant that he'll do whatever the team wants him to do but he wouldn't be his first choice he wasn't pushing for this job and it didn't sound like he was informed that this is where this was going so how bad has austin corbett and sean coleman looked at left tackle i don't even know if austin corbett's been given a real shot at it to be honest, like to me, this sounds like. They I mean, drafted, there's a, there's a lot of pieces. Corbett and that there's a pushed it this direction. There's a lot of pieces to this, but to me, from what you heard Bob Wiley say just last week, that moving Betonio to left tackle is the last option. He said it's option Z. Well, I mean, it is like the last option. Well, that's just the thing. Is this not Bob Wiley's decision, which Hugh Jackson mentioned earlier in his interview? Is he said it's. You guys ask a lot of questions. It's not Bob's decision. I decided to make this happen. And I think that it's good that if he wants to do this, if he doesn't think left tackle is working, and Joel doesn't necessarily want to go out there and he's not gunning for it, it's good that they do it now as opposed to later to get him all of these preseason reps, all of these training camp reps, as much as he possibly can have because he's been playing guard in the NFL no, for I the don't... past couple of years. Like This is the right time to do it if it's the decision that has to be made. I agree. But I think that the position has been we the best case scenario is for Sean Coleman to show that he can handle this. And they were doing everything they possibly could to try to get him there. And Bob Wiley's speaking up Sean saying like they're supporting him. They really don't want to move to Joel Batonio. That's not the direction they want to go. They're not even telling Joel Batonio, I think we're going to have to go in this direction. It's a media-driven thing. You saw it on the interview when he was at the podium today. He got a call yesterday on the day off, and they told him that he was going to be playing left tackle. Yeah. Tomorrow. Like, it didn't even sound like they were like, you're going to be our left tackle this season. They were like, you're playing left tackle all day in practice tomorrow. Get ready. And, like, but, that's and then, where it's at. And so, then Hugh comes out and says that this is where they're at and, and they're going forward. Going forward. Yeah. So it clearly was, like, a, a resort that they just moved on moved to. And it's clearly an indictment on Sean Coleman. Yeah. Because basically, I mean, Corbett hasn't really seen any first-team reps at left tackle. So, like, that wasn't really ever considered an option. You heard what Joe Thomas said a few weeks ago he's, about he's now the first, Corbett. He's now the first-team left guard. I know. Corbett is. I know. Which so blows my mind that it wasn't Drango hasn't gotten a look there. 
because he was pretty good at. I think they're guard. that hot on Corbett at guard, I mean, which makes sense. You don't want to have two amazing left guards. Like it's just not. Like, <laughs> that would be the most brownest thing ever. Like, <laughs> we got the two best left guards in the league. And Joel Batonio is such a good offensive lineman. I'm inclined to think that he's going to be able to make it work if he can get back fast enough, if he can be quick enough on his feet that he can get back dude's, there. Dude's he can athletic. Block anybody. I mean, he played left, go- left tackle in college. I think his, he's going to be a competent a pro, left tackle His dad's a pro least. wrestler. Like, that's got to count for be something. Got to be an athlete to do that. There's just, I mean, he is like a really great pulling guard. So you have to think he's got the footwork and the ability to play left tackle. I almost think he's going to have to thin out a little bit more. He's got to lose, lose a he's little bit of that He's got to lose a little bit of that yeah. beef, which is frustrating that the decision was made now because the yeah. time you do that's in the offseason. Like, you now you're in training camp. Like, you're not going to get lean and, like, get your body type to where it needs to be at this point in the season. So that part is a little disappointing, but I agree. I think he's going to be competent at the very least at left tackle, and Corbett is going to be okay. They do. But it's just you gotta, hard. You got to understand. They were going in hoping that Sean Coleman would yeah would be the left tackle, and if it didn't work out, they had to make a decision. They had to make it fast. Yeah, right? and so they were like, "We have to make a change." They were planning on Sean Coleman. You're right. I think it is an indictment. Yeah, and I to your point, I completely agree. Like I was as I was seeing the tweets come through today that Batonio was taking all these snaps at left tackle, but that they were switching in Sean Coleman on a few of them here and there. I was like, shoot, if they keep bouncing these kids around and like don't actually go in one direction, this is going to be the worst possible mm-hmm. scenario. If they're just toying around for a couple of weeks at training camp before they actually make a call, I am mm-hmm. going to go crazy because – that's the word in my mind. You need the offensive line to work together as long as possible to maximize their this is efficiency. But Hugh Jackson actually said what I hoped he would say is that it's Joel Batonio's job going forward, and so that I think that piece is good. What's for, What's interesting is this is like the safest move. I feel like where you you feel obviously we've got to see how Batonio does at left tackle, but you've got a really proven quality offensive lineman in the NFL playing in the most important spot. <clears throat> but also, if you're Joel Batonio, like, maybe you're not pleased in the moment. This is a great move for your career. Potentially. He's, he's only 26, 27. He's still got another contract well, to go. If he's as good I'd be at pissed. left tackle. I'd be pissed to some degree if, if I was Joel Batonio because he got locked in at a pretty good but not top rate guard contract so right now this year he is the number 12 highest paid guard in the nfl so there's a guy on his team that's 12 yeah he's number 12 paid guard for him and he's better than that sashi guard sashi nickel and diamond baby well he he got paid a good bit less than zeitler well he was coming off that liz frank injury yeah and yeah and so the browns got a little bit of a deal he was coming off that injury for sure but he's every bit as good I mean, as Zeitler. Let's and be he honest, he's still making $50 million over the course of his contract. It's so. an $8.5 million yeah. average. Yep. That $8.5 million average, though, puts him at the number 19 highest paid left tackle. So I'm a little bit frustrated if I'm Joel Batonio that I'm getting paid this money and playing left tackle. But hey, to be but, clear, but very excited if you're a Browns fan. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like, if from he, our position, it's great value, and we've got him locked up for another five he's, years. He's making more than 11 left tackles in this league, and he hasn't ever played the position. No, 18. No, I know. Tackle. I know, but he's making more than 
uh, 13 left tackles in this league. Oh, you're saying on the other? Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't even played the position. So, I mean, think about it that way. Obviously, if he comes out and he plays as well at left tackle as he has at left guard, he's going to be criminally underpaid. And the, we'll, the we will restructure have... his contract. Like, we no, you won't. won't? I don't think so. Do you think we'll go through his entire I mean, contract and play him out for the next four years? I would think yes. so. That's exactly what you do. That's the point of, like, Locking that's how you a build a team. What, when you have the most salary cap in the entire NFL and you don't want to piss right off. Now, that, that's how you build a team. I mean, it's not like yeah. the Seahawks were, like, pining to sign Russell Wilson to a long-term deal until they had to. Yeah. I mean, like, but like we they also weren't, were they like, weren't going to go sign him to, like, a $20 million a year deal. But, like, at a – at a position as important as left tackle, we were pining to give Joe Thomas a raise before last season. We were pining to when left tackles are a desolate wasteland in the NFL right now of good quality people at that position. You don't want to piss off your surefire guy that you have. I'm, I'm just saying we might not necessarily, it might be great, but I would think that we would at least give him some sort of boost, some sort of bonus if he is, one of the best left tackles in the league, if he's because he's one of the best left guards in the league right I, now. I, I would say that conversation would not happen until like two years, three years on. from now. Like it, it would be a ways down in the, the final way. year of his contract. No, he's got five more years. Well, he so it was a six-year deal that he signed. It was a five-year extension. Okay. Yeah, we've got Joe, Joel Petonio is going to be in the Browns for a long time, and if he can play a good left tackle the browns are in a great spot yes oh yeah for sure yes for sure that is the one spot that we've consistently talked about it's been a problem if we can find some guards and throw them in uh well corbett seems to be the guard he's getting paid like the same amount of money as like kelvin beecham Woof. who's kelvin beecham you know who's getting paid more (laughs) than him i don't i've never even heard of this guy a left tackle for the bears Charles Leno. I've heard of him, but... Related to Jay. I mean, Donald... No, <laughs> no oh he's not. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Anyways. That's hilarious. All right, so there's some other Browns news um, around the Twitter sphere. Everyone's talking about Mary Kay Cabot had an article about it saying that we were close. We are in contract negotiations with Des Bryant. What is your guys' take? Would you even want Des Bryant on your team? Where do you think he would play? Is there enough footballs for him to be on our team and not be a huge distraction? I'll make this easy. No, he wouldn't, and no. What are you? What questions are you answering there? I'm answering, no, I don't want him on my team. What position would he play? He wouldn't. <laughs> he and, wouldn't play, period? Yeah. And are there enough footballs? No. Yeah, I mean, there's really – I'm having a he hard – He makes no sense. Okay, if he was a choir boy, maybe you take a chance on Des Bryant based on his production and the chance that he might have something left on the field. You could throw up some jump balls to him. Yeah, like time. an old old veteran who's kind yeah. of changing his game. Yeah, like, based if it on was like Larry Fitzgerald, he's... you'd sign him up in a heartbeat. You'd sign him up and know that he could sit there as the fourth wide receiver and be content. But it's freaking Des Bryant. Who like required a babysitter in Dallas, and like like legitimately like they had no, someone assigned to him as his legitimate babysitter, and like was complaining about complaints left and right, 
you saw everything he did to his former teammates this past week in the public eye. Like, no thank you. The We have enough things to work through on this team. We don't need another personality to have to manage. Like, I don't care what he's going to bring. For a fourth field. wide receiver. Yeah, because he's not going to play any more than that, or at least a fourth receiving option, if you think about, like, our overall, like, playmakers. Yeah. Like, and he's not going to be happy with that. It, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. I was more than frightened it's whenever sound- I saw, like, any legitimate, you know, reporting about that being a possibility. Sometimes when things like this happen, it's agents just trying to stir up interest. But it seems like there's more than that to this situation, and it makes me wonder why. I think it's even, John Dorsey even just if likes Josh, to even sign if Josh new players. Gordon, I guess, maybe. John Dorsey just loves making headlines, and he brings out his pocketbook, and he'll sign anybody that comes his way. I actually believe that. Maybe, but so it, this all happened at the same time that the um, news about Josh Gordon stepping away from the team mm-hmm. um, ahead of training camp came out. And I think a lot of people connected the two, and maybe so. But even if Josh Gordon's not going to play ever again, I don't want Des Bryant. Like, I'd rather roll with Corey Coleman, Landry, Antonio Callaway, and whoever else we can find than Des Bryant. Yeah, I might have misread the situation, but this all came up because in John Dorsey's press conference at the beginning of training camp, somebody, it was, you know, where they were answering those Josh Gordon questions, like you just said, somebody specifically asked him, what about Des Bryant? Have you internally had discussions about Des Bryant? And he said, like somewhat matter-of-factly, like, well, yes, of course we had conversations about Des Bryant. Like, he's a free agent player that has had success in the NFL. That's had success in the NFL, yes, we have had conversations. We evaluate all of the players, and that is something we have talked about. But Mary but like I didn't, I didn't consider it anything further than that. And then it like it just evolved, and that became like a talking point and a headline that the Browns have discussed Des Bryant as a possibility on their team. And I didn't take it as anything. And then Mary Kay more and more came contract came. negotiations. I mean, I don't know. I if don't it, trust everything Mary Kay says, but. I don't know if contract negotiations really were the terminology. I think that like they had discussed the framework of what a deal might look like. And I think it's a good sign that nothing's come through in the last few days because it's died down a little bit. And now I'm guessing like- that all of the public like hoopla and all of the drama that comes with Des Bryant has scared the Browns away. I hope that's the case. Well, the newest, the latest on Des Bryant is that the Ravens are the front runner. Which actually makes sense. I mean, they don't. They signed they signed Crabtree though. Like they're like Crabtree's almost a better version of what Des Bryant could bring at this point, for sure. Yeah, but, but uh, they, they also, also need you receivers. Wouldn't, you wouldn't, so. They need receivers <laughs> desperately. They've been bleeding in that area for a long time, and I mean, anything can happen. Um, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want more people rather than less if you've been bleeding in an area like that for so long? Depend, and it wouldn't be depending su- on how much you have to pay. It him. wouldn't be super expensive. That's not what. That's he not had, what's been reported. No, it's he been had a three-year. He's asking for a, a pretty significant. Well, contract. look at his tape from last year. It was absolute garbage. I know, but he, don't he, tell Des Bryant that. But before the Ravens signed Crabtree, they offered Des Bryant a, the three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal that they gave to Crabtree, and he turned it down. Well, that's. 
That's on, on him. That would have been a killer deal for Des Bryant. I think so too. Yeah, assuming that the the guaranteed money was like that, there was some. Yeah, sure. because if it wasn't, it that would have been a terrible be a deal <laughs> for Des Bryant. All right, so Matthew, you mentioned earlier um, Josh Gordon um, making the decision to not show up to training camp. Um, how far are you guys reading into that as far as um, maybe having anything to do with his past, or do you think it's just a uh, hard knocks thing, or what do you guys think about what that is? Why did he make that decision, which is obviously backed by the Browns? I am not going to pretend to read into it to know exactly why. But surface level, everything we've seen from the story and the situation is he was seeing himself go in the wrong direction and wanted to protect himself from it and was going to a place where he could get help so that he didn't go into the fall back into the addictions that he's had issues with. And if that's the case, I'm fully supportive of the decision because we're we want to support long term health of Josh mm-hmm. Gordon versus like maximizing short term football ability of Josh Gordon. Yeah, that shows maturity. I so, so but I don't know if that's the full story. Yeah. So there, there's so much about this that you you don't know, and and for good reason. I think the most telling part of it is that the Browns haven't really said much about it, and I think that's probably it's probably indicative of the fact that they are like working with Josh on this, but also that it's some sort of medical related thing where they, they, they can't like it's, there's confidentiality involved. And so that doesn't really tell me much about if he's going to come back or how long he's going to be out and when he's going to, but it makes me confident that it's not, another like classic Josh Gordon situation like where, like a where, failed drug where he's, he's two weeks from now is going to come out that he's suspended and he's suspended for the season and has to come apply for the, the, the commissioner to get reinstated in a year. Yeah. I mean, I don't see anything that is pointed towards that in any way, but whenever he released his statement, he said that he has every intention of returning for, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if he said preseason or the start of the regular season. Um, he, he talked about wanting to to play football and win win football games for, so for Cleveland. So my, I mean, this is just like a self imposed thing. Like, but my hope is that he's back at least practicing with the team prior to the third preseason game. If that's possible, I think that is great. And that's and that's great. Josh Gordon doesn't need preseason like. But he, he kind of does. Like he hasn't had a full off season, and now like he's not even getting uh, this one as a full off season. But he's he's been around for the last like two months, like working with the quarterbacks and in OTAs and all sorts of stuff. Like a wide receiver doesn't need padded practices. Like you're you're yeah. running your routes and you're like working <laughs> on timing, and you can do just about everything between a quarterback and a wide receiver in a in a non padded practice. Josh Gordon is like thirty pounds heavier than every other like defender trying to tackle him like he doesn't need practice like getting hit and way faster like he's gonna be fine if he gets his personal life in order and comes back to play if he shows up week one throw him in the starting lineup he's been around he knows he knows the playbook just go out there and play. i don't know i mean tell I, I hope he knows the playbook even i don't if, know that even I if he doesn't know the playbook. it's a new playbook like and yes he has been around for the like early like this you know otas and mini camps and stuff but 
I don't know that that's a given thing. I feel like the wide receiver is the position that you just doesn't matter if their head's in it or not. You just tell them what route to run, and they can run that route. Just just about. Just do it. Just do it. Just about. That and running back is, well, running back's a little bit more complicated. But. I mean, are, are yeah, you... Protections. Yeah, protections and... Are you ever to the point uh, where you're just over it and you, you wish the Browns just move on? No, no this, does, this no, actually doesn't no. frustrate me actually at all. Like, it actually, it's hard because we feel like we've been burned by Josh Gordon's absence in the past, but the circumstances around his absence were so different than this time I don't, that I think a lot of fans are reacting just based on the fact that he's not here, and it's like, oh, same old Josh Gordon thing again. But if you actually... It's not. It's not a s- similar situation at all, at least based on what we've been told to this point. So um, I'm going to take the high road and be optimistic that this is like a step towards health and longevity of a career for Josh Gordon. And as a selfish fan of the Cleveland Browns, like that's the best thing we can hope for, too. So no. Absolutely. I'm not frustrated in any way by... I've been frustrated in the past by the NFL's rules around Josh Gordon that he got suspended for so long just for drinking alcohol. I've been frustrated, and I feel bad for Josh Gordon because like he's mentally sick. Like He is an addict who needs help and all the help and support that he can get. Um, and this seems like something that's pointing him in the right direction of getting some help and support. And I can imagine in an addict's mind as they're drawing closer to the season, when all the pressure is mounting, he just wants to run to these things. And, like, being featured on Hard Knocks, like, I, if I was Josh Gordon, I would not want Hard Knocks to be, look at all these times Josh Gordon's messed up in the past. Look at all this raw talent that's just being abused and wasted because Josh Gordon decided to do a bunch of drugs. Like, I'm at, like... Imagine having that being the narrative that was told to the entire country about your life. And if that was me, you know what that would make me want to do? A whole lot more drugs. <laughs> like, so, like, it's, if, it, if that is the, this pressure is mounting as it's getting closer to season, wants to stay, like, clean and focused and mentally healthy moving into it and not being on hard knocks, like, that's the way that I view it. Yep. Um, and I'm hoping that that is, and that's the way I'm choosing to view it because I do want to be positive and optimistic, and I feel like the organization is 100% the behind only, it. The only thing that worries me about that is, do you remember when the like Josh sat down for that like in-depth interview? I forget who did it. Was it Sports Illustrated um, during the off-season? The special that yeah, he was on. Yeah, where, they, where they, they did the video and they did the Sports Illustrated. And those people who are advising him like if you recall the the writer of that story, there were times where the people who were advising him jumped in and advised him not to like talk about what was going on because they wanted to save that story so that they could like sell it and capitalize on it. What I'm worried about is that there's a chance that this is people who he's surrounded himself with getting in his ear saying, no, you don't want to be there on Hard Knocks because we can sell it later. Like, you don't want to put your story out there. And, like, fine from a business decision, but you just can't make those decisions when you're in the NFL and your team gets chosen for Hard Knocks. Like, it's fine if you want to tell your story in in the way that you want to, but if he's listening to people, like those, like, people around him doing 
that who haven't ever done this before and are just kind of like know nothing people who are just trying to cut their teeth at this that worries me a little bit well that's the most pessimistic viewpoint you could ever have and that's deeply <laughs> depressing and i'm now sad <laughs> thank you matthew i know but when he when he left and people started bringing up the hard knock stuff which i don't whatever i have no idea if, if that's what it is or not like that's where i went more than not wanting to be in the spotlight because he's been very open about about his his path and his struggles and it it would would seem like another opportunity to be to be open about it unless you had something else going on or people telling you to to behave otherwise. Yeah. Well, let's move on. We've talked about Josh Gordon probably I saw thirty percent of this entire podcast over its first season. I'm not sure. Probably something like that. We weren't um, winning, so what else yeah. are we gonna talk <laughs> yeah, about? Exactly. Let's talk about um training camp. Um Mayfield and Ward, all reports across the board have been positive about our first two draft picks. Um, reports, words like floored, astonished, really glowing words about them. I mean, we're a couple days in. Um, have you guys watched the highlights? What do you think? Six days in. I mean, it's so hard to know when you're not physically like at camp watching these guys practice. But even like listening to our friends like surviving the season – and Pete Smith was there, and Greg was Greg's there. Greg's been there when his wife lets him go. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I mean, those guys are saying it looks good. Everyone else, there's, there's those are just two examples, but everyone else has had glowing things to say. It's not just the Tony Grossies and Pat McManamans and Mary Kays of the world that are speaking highly of Baker. And Wh- Whose opinion do you value the least out of this? Uh, <laughs> um, probably Tony's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh which is funny because i used to actually you used value to it love a lot tony yeah i used to read him every day i remember when you got retweeted by tony one time and you told me how excited you are and oh. now you're blocked oh. now you're oh, oh. no i'm not no anymore my personal account's never been blocked oh me. it's all of our accounts it's the, yeah, the sin of our father's account yeah. yeah um at any rate it's hard to know since we haven't been there in practice but the fact he hasn't thrown any interceptions clearly has a good grasp of the offense. Clearly is showing the leadership capabilities that you want to see from a quarterback. Like to me, that those are the things I want. Like, does he look the part? And it looks like so far he looks the part and is putting in the work that he needs to put in to be great. And I think my favorite thing even on top of that, is his attitude has seemed to be fantastic. In all of the interviews, everything anybody talks about, they want to know if he like wants to be the starter, if he's going to be happy sitting behind Tyrod, and his perspective on that has been nothing short of perfect. I mean, he has said the right things and seemingly been enthusiastic about doing what's best for this team and challenging himself as much as possible going forward. So... I'm I'm thrilled with what I've seen so far, but I'm waiting to reserve my own personal judgment till I see him on the field in a couple of preseason games. I, I think can't wait. I think Tyrod's attitude's been great too. I mean, no doubt. At, at no point has he ever said anything equivalent to what Hugh Jackson said that he's the guaranteed starter of the team. Like he he very much views it as you know, the, the best player is going to play, and he understands that they drafted a quarterback number one overall, and that person doesn't get drafted to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I mean, and that's how it should be. He's he's in a tough spot, but he also knows that like he's probably not on this team next year, but he's got another opportunity to go start for another team. It's one giant and, audition. Yeah. He he can take this team to the playoffs and maybe do something because there's talent. And oh, then yeah. he can go get a pretty good He'll get a hefty a contract. And, I mean, he's probably just happy to be out of Buffalo because that's a, yeah. a, a whole other shit show. I mean, he took them to the playoffs. Yeah. Why can't he do it here? I don't see any reason. And what about, so obviously um, Mayfield's attitude has been completely opposite of what the draft reports said about him. Um, that he's too cocky, that all those, none of those things have been a problem in any way. And his play in the field has looked sharp, higher than it should be at this early stage. What are you guys seeing about Denzel Ward? Because um, there's been some buzz about him. Um, he was just, he's just been solid from, from what I know. I mean, he was the penciled in starter from the very first day of training camp as the number one corner, which is what you want from your your top picks, obviously. And I don't think he's done anything yet to to make anybody question Weasel's way out of that. Yeah. yeah. No, everything I've seen actually is like I've already moved on from Denzel Ward. He's yeah, he's, he's a starting he's corner. All right. He's a starting corner and no one seems to have any freaking clue who else is gonna play corner for the Browns. The one person that makes no sense to me that I haven't heard from at all is Brian Body Calhoun. Why in the world? So, like, TJ Carey seems to be the guy that was getting the first chance to get the other starting spot. And every time you see a Browns wide receiver highlight video, they're blowing by TJ Carey. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, I've seen many of that those. That is concerning. He clearly is not, like, holding on to that opportunity. So then who else were we looking at? Terrence even, Mitchell? Even Jarvis EJ Landry Gaines. is blowing by. I saw oh, that. I saw he, that. He, like, on that made him almost fall down. Oh, my gosh. So... That's like legitimately concerning to me, but I don't even get it doesn't even seem like there's any conversation about BBC. We've seen him succeed both inside and outside in he, games consistently. To me, it makes more sense to put BBC as the other outside corner and s- put TJ Carey inside. TJ Carey is a known successful slot player. I to me that makes the most sense, but um, what do I know? No. I agree with you. BBC is, like, of the cornerbacks that we have, I haven't seen Denzel Ward enough. BBC is my favorite guy out there. I love watching him play football. Yeah. And then he has it, no there's, – there's no knock on him. EJ Gaines should be good. Like, he's he the should, one, too, He should be get. the guy. He or Kerry, right? I mean, or maybe BBC. But, like, between the three of them, we should be able to find, like – a, a decent that's what i thought but that's clearly not the case i mean the i mean they're looking at they talked to Brashad Breeland who i don't think signed with anybody yet no, he had all those he, meetings last hurt. week and he didn't sign with anybody so he must be there must be, there something, must be something really messed up with his heel or something man he probably regretted those couple of drinks he had before tearing Cutting his foot or whatever, whatever he did. Man, most ex- most expensive drinks he ever had in his life. Yeah. Um, but between those guys, like to some degree, I wish we hadn't cut Jamar Taylor. No, I was just about to say the same thing. Didn't we trade Jamar Taylor? No, we cut him. No, I think we just flat out cut him. 
I thought we traded him to. He's in to, Arizona. I thought now, we traded him to Arizona for like a late round pick. You're right. Ha <laughs> ha. Always. Not always. But well, now I'm also not very quickly. Who we get for that late round pick? I still wish we had. Jamar no, it's, Taylor. it's a future year. pick. It's next year. Okay. It was after the draft. Um, I know anyways. a lot. I don't know the future, Mark. So. Come on, let me know. <laughs> let me know who it was. Uh, but no, Jamar Taylor was completely and absolutely serviceable is the word that I would give him. Sure. As a second corner, not as the a second, He right. wasn't. Here, here's the thing I'm going to say, though. And I'm going to say this about Baker Mayfield. I'm going to say this about our corners. We are five days into training camp. Like, there is so much time, what is so this? much football to be played. So, like, for all I know, like, TJ carries, like, walking half speed because he's just like not into it yet like i don't know this will this will all play itself out i feel good about where the the players we have on our roster and that we will find a a second corner and i can't tell you who that's gonna be but like it's gonna be fine matthew we are in the business of rampant speculation here (laughs) (laughs) that's what we do on the cinema fathers podcast well, no, just like like Terrence Mitchell. That's my choice. We're just, <laughs> we're just creating buzz, baby. Mike, Michael wants Howard Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Howard Wilson's like a miraculous knee re- or knee injury recovery. I don't think Howard was, Wilson's going to ever play a snap for the Cleveland Browns. Can we get you a Howard that. Wilson jersey? <laughs> I want. I want to see. Let's, well, it's one of those things. I really want him to play. It. When you don't, when someone, it's like a carrot, like just holding out there, you know, like it's a fourth round pick. Like it's right in that range where it's like, oh, this guy could be something like he might actually contribute to the team. Then when you don't actually get to ever see it, it's just that much more. Michael, what number is Howard Wilson on the Cleveland Browns? I think I know this. He's. Do you. Does it even he, does it even count if you've never actually played? Like, do you actually do you have a real count number? as a real number? Oh, I've seen it. It's a number in the 30s. I'm pretty darn sure. I really wanted to say six, but that's not an NFL cornerback number. That was his number at Houston. Huh. Howard Wilson. I was going to say 39, but I think that's actually TJ Carey's number. What is it? 24. That's a good number. That is a good number. That's, that's what I'm seeing in the NFL shop. We can buy a Howard Wilson jersey for that's, 100 bucks. That's being wasted by Howard Wilson right now. Let's get that to someone who plays, who's not hurt. Let's get that out to somebody. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Any, any closing comments from Michael and Matthew? Anything you want to say about training camp? Anything that's stuck out? I don't think I have anything much more to say about training camp. We've There's got our... a lot more to be finished, but... We did want to kind of set the stage for what the next few weeks and the season is going to look like for the podcast. Um, now that we're out of the desert. Yeah, we've got uh, stuff to talk about, so we're going to be back at you every week. We're going to plan to record right after Hard Knocks and give our fresh hot take, stay up late, and mm. uh, give everybody our thoughts, and we'll push it out by the next morning, hopefully. Fresh hot takes on Hard Knocks. Yeah, that'll be good. I cannot wait. Buckle in, boys. We've got like 25, in, 25 straight weeks. Yeah, I'll have to work in my voice here. Get it, <laughs> get it back into regular season form. <laughs> I Yeah, no, I'm just so excited to have actual content where I'm not just reading articles all day to scrounge up something to talk about and pretend like I stay connected. 
Next week's there a good week. Next week is a good week. We have Hard Knocks debut on Tuesday the 7th, and then Thursday the it's 9th game. is the first preseason game. Live. Live on the NFL Network. I can't wait. Playing the Giants. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It is going to be fun. When's the, when's the Hall of Fame game? Uh, this weekend. Dang. Yeah. And I love the fact that everyone's going to get to watch us play. And so it's going to be talked about. For four straight, we're going to go undefeated again in the preseason. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know you know that the Lions went undefeated whenever they went 0-16-2 in the preseason? Yes, I did know that. Which is just hilarious. It's absurd. You right. know what I love is thinking back to last year's preseason and Hugh talking about how important it was to, to win. Change the winning to co- change the winning culture. <laughs> <laughs> to win no games. And I actually believed him. He had me convinced. You're, you're like, yeah, you're right. That does yeah, make you, sense. That's that's good thinking, Hugh. Smart guy. We like had our starters in there the whole time. No wonder <laughs> we won. <laughs> All right, that'll wrap it up for wrap it up for us. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, don't forget to shave with Barbasol, as well as follow us on Twitter, Sin of Our Fathers. Um, send us an email, Sin of Our Fathers at gmail.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We love you all. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you.